Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 75 of Death Readers, the podcast where we read through new books for the first time, or old books for the first time, whatever it is, one of us is reading through a new book or an old book for the first time. New to me, new to you, I don't know. New to us? Uh, it's, it's new to the show. You can't get newer than that. You, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. In this episode of uh, Death Readers, we'll be reading through uh, Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park chapters 40 through 46, mm-hmm. which uh, the... the the book doesn't actually have numbered chapters, so the the <laughs> the ch- the area of the book we're covering this time is the chapter called Control in uh, around page 242, at least in my version it's 242, down through ch- uh, chapter Tyrannosaur, nearer to page 291. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the chunk we're reading. Uh, we recommend you read along with us so that you know what we're talking about when we get to these notes. Because how we do the show is we go through page by page, chapter by chapter, and we take notes on page numbers and discuss them together. So if that sounds like the kind of thing you'd be into, go get a, p- a copy of Jurassic Park from your local secondhand bookstore or library or digital version as long as you don't pay for it. Because, you, sh- you know, or, or a use big your chain library, retailer folks. that you can order online and have free shipping within two days. No. Oh, right. No, less of that. Right. Less of that. Local. Buy local. <laughs> buy your locals. If you don't have a local, you know what that sounds like? A vacuum. <laughs> a business you opportunity. Know what you could do. You could fill that vacuum. Yeah, you should. If you don't have a local bookstore, what are you doing? Make your own local bookstore. Be the change Lose you want to see that in money. the world. Go to the bank. They'll love you. You'll say, I got a great, splendid idea. You know our town population, 300 people? How about you lend me a whole bunch of money to buy a property, buy a bunch of books, a bunch of stock, hire some people, get health insurance, get, uh, you know, other kinds of insurance that I'm sure you need to run a bookstore. And in this digital age, open up a brick and mortar, hands-on bookstore. Uh. And I think that the bank is going to say, hmm, can we get, can you put your house or your mortgage up up as collateral? (laughs) And then you say, yes, because I really believe in the dream. And then they say, oh boy, (laughs) oh boy, (laughs) this actually sounds like a pretty good deal. (sighs) How soon can you sign? And then you'll say, I have three pens in my pocket right now. Let's do it. And then you sign on all the dotted lines, and there's it's just smooth sailing from there. It's the most and likely outcome. It's the most likely outcome. And then, and then in that way, you can order or or purchase for secondhand a copy of Jurassic Park, <laughs> and read it while you're listening to our podcast. So if and you you'll haven't be caught up with this if, episode, if you don't have a copy yet, you don't have a way of getting a copy secondhand or from the library then stop listening when I finish this sentence and go build up your business plan, take it to your, your credit union or your bank and put your life on the line. Put your money where your mouth is and get your, get your, start your new life now. Get a, new, get a business, get a small business loan and get a copy of Jurassic Park that way because anything... To keep a little bit of money out of 
Amazon's pocket. Anything is better than Amazon. I mean, that's not entirely true. It's just like, it just, there's just a lot of, they're very problematic. They're just very problematic. They're problematic. I mean, you like the boys. (sighs) I'm up in the air about the boys. You like Miss Maisel. I do like Miss Maisel. There you go. See? From the horse's mouth. He likes Miss Maisel. Do you have any housekeeping? (sighs) A couple things. Okay. A couple things that I have the um, discovery I found last time, or that I meant to read on the last show and I forgot to. I feel like this was National Geographic, the uh, whatever image I had copied for this uh, didn't come along. But I think this is National Geographic, um, published April 14th, 2011, by Ed Young. Under the column, science, not exactly rocket science. The title, how do we know Velociraptor hunted by night? Oh. Because we came up a while ago. We like, how did, how did Grant know they were nocturnal? Right. And I think someone else said something in the last set of chapters where I'm like, oh, I want to look up that. And I looked it up and there is a reason. Let me try to skip to it. Most dinosaur reconstructions portray the animals walking about in bright sunlight, but of course we know that living animals are active at all times of the day. The diurnal ones prefer daylight hours, while nocturnal species haunt the night. Crepuscular animals favor twilight animals, while cathemeral ones are active in short bursts throughout the day. It's easy enough to work out which living group falls into, which a living animal falls into, but the task becomes far more difficult if the animal is extinct, blah, blah, blah. Eyes of all birds and many reptiles are reinforced by a bony disc called a scleral ring, which you can clearly see in photo. You, you see the skulls and you see like a, a round circle of bone. Right. Um, in nocturnal animals, the ring has a wide hole to let in as much light as possible. In diurnal species, the ring is thicker and has a narrower hole that gives them sharper vision. So that's how okay. raptor skeletons have that wider hole. Like, like how uh, owls do. Yeah. Nice. So that's how they know. Very interesting. Um, and then the other thing I stumbled upon, just because I, I, you'd mentioned something last time, and I looked it up. Are you familiar with Binging with Babish? YouTube chef no. personality? No. Uh, very fun videos, usually short, 5 to 15 minutes. He uh, is famous for making things from movies and TV shows. Okay. In that way that food always looks good, and so he'll he'll make it, and sometimes he will make an artisanal version of it afterwards. Like, he'll do it the way it's suggested in the movie. For example, in Matilda, uh, the chocolate cake. Right. Uh, that he'll show a quick, quick cut of that scene, and as the Trunchbull is threatening the boy with the cake, the cook is there leering as well. And she says something right. about, my blood and sweat's in that cake, and he puts blood and sweat in the cake. Oh, gross. Right. Um, famously, at least in my household, because my daughter couldn't get enough of it, uh, he made the Twinkie Wiener sandwich from UHF and surprisingly Ooh. loved it, but then tried to make one with like, you know, like a brioche Twinkie filled with the homemade, he might have even made his own sausage and the Twinkie Wiener sandwich was better and he was annoyed by that. Hmm. Um, but he also makes the Chilean, Chilean sea bass. Oh. And opens with, if you want to know, I know what the curlies are. What are they? Fried shoestring sweet potato. Interesting. Apparently there's a Jurassic Park website which includes a menu for the uh, lodge and it's on there. And so that's how they found it out. And he spiralized some sweet potato and fried it. And that's the topping. Wow. That is some research, folks. 
So that's my uh, that's my housekeeping. Did you have? Wow. Me? Uh, no, I, uh, not at all. Uh, don't worry about it. Very impressed. I don't think I had. I don't think I had anything assigned or even uh, guessed at. I actually can't remember if you did or not. We tackled fairly lazy. certain I didn't. Well, as best we could. Okay. All right. Well, uh, if there's no more housekeeping, then I say we uh, get into the chapters. Yes. Uh, so that should bring us to chapter forty. Control. I have a page note on two forty-two, which is essentially the last page in the chapter. So okay. So mine's two seventy, but Kindle page. Jeez, that's bizarre. It is really bizarre. Uh, so mine has a note and then a, a, a postscript to my note. So Malcolm was bitten by a T-Rex. Is this new info? Postscript. Oh. Because, <laughs> yes, it was. And we heard all about it later. Right. That's it. Is that, That's it? Yeah. Although that, had to, that actually... has to be terrifying. Well, that's that's actually sort of beautiful because it it leads into my note, which is the last couple pages of the chapter where he's discussing, he's catching us up on what happened in the gutters between between the pages where we don't get to see. Yeah, and it actually I actually have a question here. Um, he, do you think that Ian Malcolm is supposed to be British? I hadn't got that. No, I thought he was from Texas. I thought they said he was. Tra- I mean, sure, he could be a British person who has a fellowship. Well, he, at they Texas picked him University. up from Texas. Yeah. Well, let me um, let me read this to you. Let me read this. Okay. Let me do a, a reading of of the section that made me question this in a British accent. Well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay. Because if I do that, it's like leading. Sure. Then you'll go. Oh well, now I can't unhear it because your accent's okay. so convincing. Then you have to uh, um, be, you have to have a control group. So a German accent, maybe. How about just English? Okay, uh, or American. That's what I said, but sure. Um, American what accent. My accent. Whatever this accent is. Sure. Malcolm described running from the land cruiser in the rain and being chased down by the wrecks. It was my own damn fault. He was too close, but I was, but I was panicked. In any case, he picked me up in his jaws. How? Gennaro said. Torso, Malcolm said, and lifted his shirt. A broad semicircle of bruised punctures ran from his shoulder to his navel. Lifted me up in his jaws, shook me bloody hard, and threw me down. And I was fine. Terrified, of course, but still all fine. Right up to the moment he threw me. I broke my leg in the fall, but the bite was not half bad, he sighed, considering. So it's, it's the use of the term bloody hard that sticks out to me as a more typically British phrase. Sure. I don't hear Americans say that word in that way. I can't think of a single like accent region of the, of this country mm-hmm. that uses that term like that. Mm-hmm. I can't even think of one in North America that does that. I mean... I don't feel like he's British. I feel like something would have been mentioned, but he does seem like a character who maybe uh, got a Rhodes Scholarship and was educated in Britain. Maybe. <laughs> uh, it just that it just seems weird. Just seems weird. Oh, it, it. But that could just be my like my bias. Like I, I see that word and it stands out 
uh, as like a big road sign that says British or a colony that is still pretty closely related culturally. Or at least vernacularly, like like mm-hmm. if it was Australia, if he was Australian or South African, sure, I could buy it. But like, not American. It just unless he's just he's like just a tool, which he isn't. Like I mean, that's that's again my prejudice that I'm bringing into the book. But still, like this was '87. It was a different time. I, I'm I'm going for educated in yeah. England, picked up slang. However, I bet that if if you read that. If you read the way he speaks, uh-huh. he also has the, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm probably reading into it, but he has this sort of way of doubling back on the words he's on the things he's saying to like clarify them that it feels very British. <laughs> like, like even in the thing I just read, read lifted me up in his jaws, shook me bloody hard and threw me down. We're and I was it. fine. Terrified, of course, but still in all fine. What? Right up to the moment he threw me. What are you doing? I broke the leg. I broke the leg in the fall, but the bite was not half bad. Oh. It's not a good accent. Well, it it was it was it was sort of Brit Australian. I don't know how to do either. Which, so I, 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 or, I ride the line or Brit 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 Zlander. Brit Zlander. I think sh- I, I think uh, considering how bad it is, it may, might be best to call it shittish. <laughs> well, I mean, don't feel bad because you're in good company. You're up there with uh, Carl Urban. Because he's, he's doing Australian. his like his his, cock- kiwi? his he's kiwi, but he's doing his Cockney accents in uh, the boys, and then he could not get through murder without you know murder. <laughs> and I was just like, hey, that wasn't a British murder. Um, I'm actually gonna Google it because I'm very curious now. You've got me. They got my. <laughs> is is Ian Malcolm? Is Ian Malcolm in Jurassic World? Is Ian Malcolm real? <laughs> That's depressing. That is a little depressing. Although, if you if you read it with a different inflection, uh-huh. if you read that Google autofill with it, with not the inflection you had, which is is he real? But you read it as is Ian Malcolm real? It is has a whimsy. Real? Is he real? It has like a whimsy of someone who loved the story in the book or the movie so much that they're mm-hmm. like, oh, that guy's so cool. I, I just want to, he's got to be a real guy. So what did you find? No, there's like a screen rant, 25 things you didn't know about Ian Malcolm, but it's all movie Malcolm. And other than an Ian Malcolm politician from 1868 to 1944, which is the third time he's done that that we know of in this book. He keeps using old politician names. I'm telling oh, yeah. you, there's something Weird. there. So maybe, maybe That's... there's some, uh, maybe maybe there's some uh, British politician DNA in uh, Ian Malcolm. What I want you to say is, wow, now I'm going to read the book reading him as British. You want me to now make that, I, I, like, that pledge? Just that suggestion has removed Jeff Goldblum's amazing performance from my brain and will Eek. replace it with... With a, uh, well, I don't know, maybe like a uh, Colin Firth. Okay, maybe, maybe. I honestly, I went way older, and I'm like Ralph Richardson, maybe. Oh. Or uh, oh, who's that? Who's that actor? Lord Cuckoo Face. What's his name? The Madness of King George. <laughs> he's a he's an '80s and '90s British actor, always playing the hop 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 what. 
uh, character in movies. Jeffrey not... Rush. N- no. <laughs> no. Um, he was in Matilda. He was in The Madness of King George. Um, he's in a lot of things. Okay, hold on. <laughs> you always do this to me. I, I didn't not do Matilda, anything. Not You're Matilda, just... not Matilda, Madeline. Sorry. Oh, well. That's my fault. What, so all le- protagonists, girls, and children's stories are the same to you? Um, not all old houses in Paris covered in vines. <laughs> Weird. Nigel Hawthorne, isn't that the best British name ever? It's a pretty good British name. Um, yeah, he's in Demolition Man. It would be better Man. if it was a if it was Nigel Hawthorne the third. Do you not? Do you remember it would? Do you, Esquire, uh, OBE. Um, do you remember, he's in Demolition Man? The Never poly, seen him. The, what? Okay, mm-hmm, it's fine. <laughs> Tarzan. He's in Tarzan with Minnie Driver and uh, Brian Blessed and. Uh, Carl from Ghosts. God damn it. Uh, Metro Goldwyn. Tony Goldwyn. You never saw Disney's Tarzan? Oh, yeah. I saw Disney's Tarzan, yeah, he's the but professor. I don't. Okay. Anyway, so you're going to read the rest of the book with his voice in your head for Ian Malcolm. I'm going to try. That's what I want to hear. I'm going to. Okay. okay. You want this pledge from me? I will pledge to do that, but I will have a hard time because they keep writing him as Goldblum with the, uh... Well, see, that's what I, I think, is I think that the, uh, the thing you're reading as Goldblum is so informed by the movie that if you tried reading it as British, you'd go, oh my god, this is so perfect. All right, I will give a shot. Nigel Hawthorne is replacing Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm. Sir Ian Malcolm. Baronet. Um, what's the name of the guy from from uh, what's the actor's name who was in uh, who played Bilbo Baggins in the Hobbit movies Ian Holm nope oh Martin Freeman Martin Freeman I feel like it also kind of sounds a little bit like Martin Freeman like that that kind of inflection like the the comedic pausing inflection Arthur Dent Burbling yes Yes, if you if you read him as Arthur Dent, I think m- maybe not with as much exacerbation <laughs> as. I can never get the hang of Thursdays. What? Best I can do. Never mind. Don't worry about it. Didn't happen. Okay. Um, I think that that could play. Anyway, we should move on. This is a <laughs> this is a terrible episode. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's gonna be no. This is like Young Frankenstein. I'm gonna cut it into such streamlined gold. No, I think this is more like that Frankenstein movie with Daniel Radcliffe that was written by Max Landis. I can't, I can't watch Max Landis things anymore. I enjoyed them once you upon shouldn't. a time. They're bad. I know, but I like them too. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. Uh, so, chapter forty-one, the park. I only have an overview. Okay, I've got two notes. Um, which again are related to each other where I, I, I made a brash statement and then I walked it back a little bit in the second note. 274, Kindle page. This is 1950s level of sci-fi hubris ignoring Malcolm's report. And I was getting a little annoyed. Um, 
okay, let me just read my two my page Kindle page two eighty note. I may be getting tired of how self assured these people are, and then I had to realize. Then again, it's not unrealistic. The refusing to ignore or refusing to pay attention to the science and taking the advisors. <sighs> advice and think and, and think of it this way this story is happening over the course of like two days at this point yeah and 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 you're telling me that you're 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 having you know hubris fatigue after two days <laughs> dude i'm not, I'm not like, crying really well welcome to the last nine months i thought i could escape that this is supposed to be escapism right uh, it's, it, Crichton has this really, oh my god, canny knack. Some of this, some of, mm, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, that's all I have. What's your overview? Uh, my overview is the. It's very similar. It's 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 you know these chapters are short, so they kind of have like one sure. main point to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so aside from moving characters around, but they also tend to have just like one overall like idea. And and this one, my note was. Uh, man, I really do hate it when people pulling the purse strings also pull rank. Yeah. Like like that part where he's like, you do forget that you work for me, right? And and Muldoon's like, uh, yes, but you once again, you didn't foot the bill for the necessary tools that were needed to take care of these eventualities that we all told you could happen. And you were like, in your pie-in-the-sky manager world where you're like, no, it'll never happen. Like... No, my park is going to be so great and the kids are going to love it. I can't wait to see it. Also, there's no need to build a good dock or like some sort of barrier to protect the dock from waves. Um, it's I have like all it's it's so it's it's like he is like Willy Wonka in that sense of like, you know, I only want to care about the fun stuff. I don't want to even talk about the stuff that is responsible or or kind of not showy but necessary like someone else should take care of that i'm an ideas man i'm a pitch man like it's so fucking irritating Mm -hmm. um yeah hammond is definitely losing some luster well i mean it's just more like yeah he is but it's also like god damn dude like you deserve this like like it's one of those stories where like he deserves it but he's not the one really suffering all these other people are suffering and that's that is so much (sighs) Like what I feel like we're seeing, and I, I'm so sorry. We're just so close to election day. Uh, it's <laughs> it's so much like what I see politically of these loudmouth politicians who can say and do whatever the fuck they want, and because they don't actually suffer the consequences of their actions, the people they're misleading do. Right. And it's it just like like it's so fucking close to home for that, where you're just like watching someone who refuses to acknowledge reality or responsibility putting other people's lives at risk unnecessarily for their own for their own personal glory and it's just like really hard to not see that in this book mm-hmm. uh, especially when it's like it's just happening in in the story and like you have people walking up to this person and saying people are dying even though that's his line right, in the movie right, right. <laughs> but like you know it's like it's that's happening and and he's just sitting there talking to these scientists and he's like, I don't fucking care. I want a fucking parade. Like, I want everybody to tell me how fucking great I am. You're telling me I might have to not hear people tell me how fucking great I am? That's fucking stupid. I don't accept that. No. 
I don't care how many people have to die. And I, and I don't, it's not that I say that explicitly. It's that my actions speak louder than my words. Of course, I don't want anyone to die in my park, but I'm also not willing to do the necessary things to keep people from dying, like fixing the dock or restarting the, the dinosaur breeding program so that we can breed out some aggressiveness in them or buying a preventative defensive measures like, uh, the the rocket launcher or other weapons to to potentially like you know hold back the dinosaurs if they should ever get loose and and he's just like it, but so so he's saying oh I, the park's totally safe everything's fine everything's safe come to the park just don't don't let the fear of dinosaurs run your life mm-hmm. don't let it control you your emotions or, or or let it when you're in the park don't think about how there are dinosaurs around that could eat you and kill you randomly or or without warning don't think about that just go to our gift shop and buy stuff at our gift shop did you do you know we have a a wonderful hotel <laughs> like it's 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 that kind of shit that is mm-hmm. just like too parallel it's right. far too parallel to ignore it's a thing where, like, I put myself in the position of, like, Mr. Arnold or, like, Wu in the story where I'm just, like, you're trying so hard to communicate to these this stupid person. There's this, this stubborn person who refuses to acknowledge that what you're saying is worth considering and maybe changing your course of action for. Mm-hmm. And, like, feeling how hopeless that is, especially now, like, really having all that real-world experience of feeling that hopelessness really puts me in those shoes where like, I don't think he's writing in this book, how like despondent I'm feeling those characters are. (laughs) (laughs) But every time he says something like, Oh, I just, I wish I, I, I'm afraid I won't be able to see my park. And it's like, don't fucking care. Don't (laughs) fucking care. Cause other people could die. You're old. Unfortunately, we're all going to die. Spoilers. And it, your your time's coming up sooner than most people's, but what you're doing is you're putting much younger, much healthier people at risk unnecessarily, so that you don't you so that you can save face or you can look like you know you're having a great time or, or like there's there's that you can believe your own delusion that there isn't a real risk mm-hmm. when there fucking is. There's like Malcolm got bitten by a T Rex, man. Um. Also, can we just point out how creepy and horrifying, quietly horrifying compound fractures are? Oh, dude, wow. so upsetting. Wow. I've never act- I've never seen one, but I feel like if I did, I would pass out. Yeah. I remember having I I, I remember learning about them when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being in school. I don't remember what class it was, but I think I was in elementary school and they were describing the two types of fractures for some reason and they were describing like, you know, there's uh, compound and then I don't remember what the other one is uh, but I know what I know what they look like I know the difference but I don't remember the name um, but anyway like the regular is just like you broke your leg or your bone and it's in the skin it's still in your body yep so you like it yep and then we can just pop it back into place and then sew it all up and yep. keep it solid keep it not moving do you see how I'm leaning away from my one... shoulder right now I'm just realizing that <laughs> this is like a study in psychology <laughs> I'm just like get away get away <laughs> And then there's the other kind that pops out of the skin yep. and is awful. Yeah. Because there's a bone outside of you and they got to put it back. <laughs> Don't like breaking. 
don't I've never had a I mean I've never had a broken bone that I had confirmed that it was broken I think I, I think I might have broken my toe once yeah yeah, yeah. But like, I used to say you know, the same I, thing so don't say that that's, that's <laughs> like a that's like a siren song to gravity yes but unlike you I've never thrown a die in my wife's face so I might have a tendency to be a little more careful <laughs> I'm young <laughs> you'll you'll throw plenty of things you in your wife's learn. face believe me um, it's possible. Yeah, but I, I I may have broken my toe before, and that sucked. I used to say that but, too. Uh, I used to say that too. Like, oh, I think I broke my toe. I mean, it got me out of PE for a while. That was great because I hated PE. Uh, yeah, but I'm not actually trying to get out of. I'm just like something happened where I I might have actually broken my toe and. Yeah. No. 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 I'm saying. I'm saying. I used that actually might have broken oh, okay. my toe and got out of. Oh, okay. uh, I didn't like volleyball. It came at me. I had it's to, not a know, fucking dodge. bone spur, Rob. It's like uh, I think I broke my toe a while ago. Shattered, shattered the clavicle. <laughs> you just keep bra- you just keep bragging about it, and uh, gravity will catch up. And I don't want that to happen. Either. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, my other overview note here is that I, I feel bad for Mr. Arnold here because he he really doesn't understand how fucked they are at yeah. this point. Yeah. And he's still like hoping that everything's going to end up okay. Like, and he ends up in these chapters, like doing a pretty good job of like getting most of the systems back online. Like he's a hero. Yeah. But like the idea that he doesn't understand that, like the severity of the loose dinosaurs in the park, like he knows, like everybody knows at this point, but like he doesn't really know. He, He doesn't know like, how many like he it seems like he doesn't have the understanding about how dangerous the raptors are mm-hmm. and how how close they are to like just really destroying stuff was this when they did the the um thin intelligence was this the chapter where they did thin intelligence no thin intelligence i think is like closer to the end of this this series of chapters mm-hmm. um but i, mean, I don't still, remember exactly when it's still a a, a, a kind of perfect encapsulation of how they're being presented with all this data and they're striking each one down, but they're not seeing the whole and going, Oh shit. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It's, it's short sightedness. That's all I have for chapter 41. Okay. And then that brings us to chapter 42 life, the universe and everything. It's like your bankruptcy joke. Come on. It's a callback. It's called, it's called Dawn. There's only so many times you can make the so preoccupied with whether or not you could, you didn't bother to think if you should joke. (laughs) And despite this being a very perfect moment for that kind of joke, (laughs) we've done it so many times already that I feel like the only way to do it is to, to do an anti version of it where I talk about how I'm not going to do it. And thereby kind of like it create a negative space where you put it in to the thing I'm I'm not saying and leaving out so that you sort of hear it. But I never actually I never actually say it the way I would have. It's still just as cutting. <laughs> Hurts me. Hurts me hard. Uh, Dawn. Chapter 42, Dawn. My first page of note is a. Uh, 254 okay what's that why are there huge dragonflies in jurassic park there's a, there's a moment where where, where uh, uh tim like swats one away or they, they describe one 
landing on him or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and, he, I, and I, as far as I understand, the reason the animals and dinosaurs could grow as large as they did in in the Jurassic period and in you know. 65 million years ago is because the atmosphere on the planet had a lot more oxygen in it than sure. it does today. Sure. So like, but, but like besides that point, besides that idea that like we don't live in that environment right, right. now, right. we will in 50 years, but right now we don't. Um, besides that, there's nothing in these, in this book or in the movie or anything that sort of suggests that Hammond and the engine scientists found a way to resurrect ancient bugs. Sure. Like they, they didn't get bug DNA to resurrect bugs. So I don't understand what is happening there because this isn't, this is not a time travel story. Nope. Like it's not a story where they're actually in like the Cretaceous period. Uh, I, I just feel like the inclusion of the bugs are ki- actually kind of like detracts from the immersion because yeah. because it's so out of place. I, I'm going to try to deconstruct it from the information I've been presented with in the book, even though, yes, clearly he has not mentioned anything about the bugs. Um, I think that it was a moment of whimsy, a moment of like, oh, it's beautiful nature and I get to be part of it and really appreciate something that I don't usually see because it's on a, such a small scale in my everyday life. Um, and explanation wise, I'm sure it, they, they came across giant dragonfly DNA somewhere. And you remember that line from earlier in the book about how, uh, scientists didn't stop to think if they, <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm full of shit because that line hasn't even actually happened yet. Um, no, but I, I think it does go to that thing. Like, oh, we got some bug DNA. Throw those in, too. Why not? Um, but it doesn't really hold up. It is poorly executed in that sense, other than having a a little appreciating nature moment, which is clearly big in this section of the book. Uh, it's not the best. If there was a moment where somebody could have said something like, oh, fuck, this is actually this other type of bug that we know exists in this right. part of our planet still that... It's another one of those like, oh, they imported this animal. See, and that was that's that's interesting because that was what I always thought until I read through the book again this time. That's what I always thought they were suggesting with the plants. Mm. The when 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 um, uh, Doctor Sadler was looking at the plants, like these shouldn't be here. I thought she was saying these shouldn't exist, but she was saying, yeah, me these too. Aren't, these aren't from this part of the world. They've had them brought here because they are Jurassicy. Oh, okay. and, and I, I think that's because they they weren't cloning plants, or if they were, then that you know gives bug the bug its more credence as well. So it's somewhere in that he didn't explain it. Yeah, it's, it's just it. Not everything needs to be explained, but they're no. just like even if there was a throwaway line of like we've actually you know imported animals that add an aesthetic to the feel of the park to make it feel more like a dinosaur period or right. a larger than life lost world. Right. Or if they said we got 15 dinosaurs and some other shit that you might see if you keep your eyes open. I mean, I like keeping the, the magic that they have to dinosaurs. Um, I think that that's a lot more fun, but how fucking, how fucking fun would it be if instead of frog DNA, they had spliced all the dinosaurs with like chicken DNA. So, like, instead of, like... <laughs> I'm listening. I'm just saying, like, all of the problems could be defeated by throwing some corn on the ground. <laughs> it's a big fucking corn. 
sure. maybe they could grow like, that too. They they oh. can't they they have like a, they can't stop themselves. They you throw a bunch of like rice or corn on the ground. They're like, oh shit, I gotta get all of them. Wait, could that be the answer? Could it could it be uh, just the genesis like just took modern dragonflies and like if we tweak this shit, they'll grow to huge. Your your frog DNA frog DNAing this. Is there any like, book that's more perfect for it? No, but like I'm it, coming also, up with, it a, doesn't... with a with a logistical scenario that you can believe. Um, but I'm not judging the y- y- the book based on your additions. Why not? Because that's not how the that's not originalist. <laughs> oh, if you want to be originalist, sure. To know we we're talking originalist. I mean, it's not, you, you have good, you're very good at it. Like, you have <laughs> good capacity life. To, to fill these things in, but it's not, it's just still not present in the text. And I'm not going to argue whether or not you're good at it. I'm arguing that it's not in the text yet, and it doesn't make sense yet. Right. My guess is it was a throwaway, whimsy, world-buildy thing. Mm-hmm. They got slotted into that moment, and instead of building the world it took it away from me okay my next notes on 258 uh this is this is probably silly but i like the symbolism of grant and the kids retreating into the safety of a, of the tree uh because i i uh it's kind of metaphoric mm-hmm. like it's like it's like a fight or f- flight kind of thing like th- these are our two most basic evolutionary instincts like they're they're urges that are holdovers from a time when we uh, we descended from trees mm. like when we were more animalistic mm-hmm. presuming that we descended from trees and not some sort of aquatic ape theory um i've not heard of the aquatic ape theory well i don't know enough about it to, to talk about it but basically it, it the idea is that humans actually didn't evolve from tree dwelling animals they evolved, evolved from like aquatic apes that's the best I can describe it. It's, so, it's, it's, it's it's the justification for why we have much more smooth skin, easier to swim with, like than like why we're hair essentially hairless or much have much less hair than I mean, most other primates. I guess that would explain the gecko fingers in the bathtub. Right. Shit, are we insmouth people? <laughs> are we? Yeah, probably. But that's you should look. At, that's your next assignment. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll make a note. <laughs> anyway. But from this moment in the book, like that, the the idea is that, like, again, metaphorically, these characters have entered into a world where we have sort of reached a weird peak scientifically in our in our the thing that makes humans unique on the planet mm-hmm. is our capacity to 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 try to become gods and master like to to ascend from mortality to godhood mm-hmm. and master physics master science master the the building blocks of the of existence so that we can manipulate them because we're smart enough to figure out how at least to a, cer- a certain extent but then in this book they're in they're in like a a scenario where that has gone to the extreme where we have done it to such a colossally exciting idea where we've resurrected extinct animals, like something that humans should not be able to do or no, no, no species should be able to do that. But we, but in this story we've done it mm-hmm. and like the, ideally that should be left to, like I said, like a, a deity type figure. So to have these characters who are in this world, that is the product of that kind of Promethean level, like, Ooh, okay. At, at like like plateau to 
to have to retreat from it so hard that they actually retreat backwards in evolution up into a tree. Like, there's something about that that feels like maybe not deliberate, but very like symbolic. Very mm-hmm. like like get it? They're they don't, the only way to survive the tragedies of of higher intelligence and science is to retreat back into a place where we existed before we like before we could when we consider ourselves to have been unevolved to where we consider our our, our lineage to have been unsophisticated i think that's kind of poetic and, and, and interesting. yeah an evolutionary equivalent of wanting your mom yeah yeah totally cool yeah no, that's, a, that's a that's a really good observation that i did not catch at all but even but even that like they can't like they also can't stay there Right. Like they, even when they get up there, it's like, you still have to come back down. You have to come out of the tree. Um, and, and that's, and like you said, like, that's kind of like going to your mom. You also, another turn of phrase is you can't go home again. Mm-hmm. Like you can't actually go back and, and live that time over again. So they, they have to come back down. They have to confront the mistakes that humanity has made that, that they're, that other humans have made and, and, uh, you know, come to terms with that mistake. So yeah, anyway, that's a, you know, like I said, that was probably dumb and silly, but, uh, it's a heavy ass book to read right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, that's, um, that's my notes for that chapter. Do you well, have any notes in this chapter? I only had one. I didn't even bother with a page. note. I really liked Ralph the Triceratops. <laughs> I'm like, that's it's funny. You bring, you, I remember being a kid uh, as when these books came out, mm-hmm. and I didn't read them, but because I, I was too young, um, like this, I was like five or six when the movie came out. But because I was five or six when this movie came out, and there was so much flood of ripoff market trying to capitalize on the fervor of Jurassic Park at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. I remember getting a, it was like an audio book. That was a super hardcore ripoff of Jurassic Park. And I don't remember what it was called, but I have this vivid memory of it being essentially the same thing. Like essentially a prehistoric park of some kind where a boy and a girl character are like in a Jeep or something traveling through this park and observing animals. And I remember there's a moment where uh, they they see like a, a, a saber toothed tiger or something and they get really scared. And I remember it's just vividly this moment of like, Oh my God, like that's so scary. I wonder why that couldn't have been in Jurassic Park. Cause I was like, you know, five or six and I d- didn't understand like dinosaurs aren't the same as mammals. Right. Um, so Ralph makes me think of that mm-hmm. because like there's, there's, you remember that movie baby? There's this oh, sort yeah. of like, I used to watch that hell, of, probably around the same time for the age you were when you were reading this book, I was watching right. baby. Secret right. of the Lost so, Legend. Like, yes. So there's this whole like feeling there. Like I remember, I feel like in that in that weird audiobook, whatever the fuck that was, there just, was some sort of like baby dinosaur petting zoo area and okay. Ralph like brought me back to, but it also brought me back to baby. Sure. Um, for all the reasons baby is a thing. Oof. It's a heck of a thing. But hey, Sean Young. I want to watch baby again. And William Cat. Is that is that the movie? I have a distinct movie where or memory of a movie where there is some sort of local native guide who keeps saying no problem, <laughs> and I think it's that uh, movie. No I, idea. I don't remember because last time I tried watching Baby, I sat down and I watched it for just a little bit, and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to watch this. This this belongs <laughs> firmly in my seven year old memory, not for me now. 
Yeah, I uh, all I remember about Baby is the the cover. Yeah, I remember that there's two people kneeling down, touch touch, like with a baby sauropod, uh-huh. uh, like and they're dressed like uh, uh, Robert Muldoon. Yeah, it's William Cat <laughs> and Sean Young. Yeah, and they're like touching it, feeding it, or whatever, mm-hmm. and that's. I don't know what I don't know anything else about that movie other than that and and there's this I have this narrative in my head about what that movie is about but I have no idea what that movie is about. I don't want to spoil too much but I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Uh Aww. It's not a, really a baby. There's a no, there's a scene at the end where the mom shows up and just just destroys the bad guys and there's a scene where one of them she she grabs one in her mouth and is chomping it T-Rex style and you're like but you're an herbivore. Right. But apparently she's a matter before. Yeah, I mean, you know, horses bite people. I mean, I guess, but this wasn't just a nip. This wasn't a friendly little, hey. hey. Oh, no, no. Ponies will bite your face off. Like, you're ponies you're will... standing on my tail. <laughs> ponies have, have really strong teeth. Okay, well, ponies aren't horses, are they? They're equinus. Okay, well, sure, equinus, sure, yeah, equinus, absolutely, equinus. We're not talking about equinus. Well, I think it's the word equine. Uh, no, they're they're but they're definitely equinus. Equinish. You, you get them at the equifer. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening now. They're they're equivalent. Yeah, hot and cold running mares. This is awful. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> Water horse. Yeah, I know hippocampus. I know what it is. I couldn't think of the um, term hippocampus, so thank you. <laughs> I think it's actually a hippocamp, and the hippocampus is this thing in your brain. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking hypothalamus. Yeah. We're all over the place. Anyways, this I like the worst I liked, episode of Death Readers. I liked Ralph the Triceratops. <laughs> yeah. Ralph the Ralph and he was, the Triceratops. And then he was baby. pink like a pig. That was very interesting. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. A fleshy. I didn't like that he got his head stuck. That made me sad. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they're just like <laughs> But they saved him. I was, I was like, oh no. <laughs> He's gonna get et. He's gonna get et with his head through the through the hole. Oh no! He's all crying in distress. I did not like that. Anyway, um, that's fair. Are you? Do you have any more notes in that chapter? No. All right. Well, then that brings us to chapter forty-three. The park. I have an overview. Um, I think mine's overview-ish, so I'm gonna say it. Uh, so yeah, I say mine's more specific than an overview. Uh, T Rex. T Rex in the lake was actually scary and i didn't yeah. remember it i'm like this is a really this this part's freaking me I'm, I'm pretty sure they live to the end and everything's you know it, it follows the movie that much but i don't remember this part and it's really building some tension here yeah i i was definitely terrified in that moment for them because i was like well because also it's out of the movie yeah so like anything that's out of the movie is hard to like wrap my brain around mm-hmm. or something like Whoa, I don't I don't I don't I have to actually have to read it like I don't know what's happening because it's like you know like a book should be read and so that was really scary and it was like the part where you realize like oh it can just walk in the water like it can just it because of the way its head is shaped it, it can be like an elephant where it just keeps its nose above the water and it can breathe and it can just walk because it's a 30 40 foot animal right but also that it can uh swim like a crocodile like it's big big ass tail would totally oh yeah yeah make it snake through the water super fast as soon as they mention the tail i'm like oh shit they're fucked there's no way they could yeah. out swim this or out paddle this thing holy crap yeah so that was <laughs> apex yikes. predator apex all the pecs 
Uh, my my actual my overview note is is similar to to that idea, and it's just that. I like that they have this fun like raft adventure. Like mm-hmm. it's a fun thing to add. It's it's a it's cool visually. It's cool how they get the raft. I enjoy it. What? But I am kind of bummed out at Crichton. Kind of depicts the T Rex as aggressive towards these people, despite not being hungry. Like it's it has a kill. It's so full that it's like passed out and sleeping. Like I, I do he, have a he note kind on of this takes later. the. Well, but in this, in the, it happens in this chapter though that he, he like it, it doesn't. It's, it's not like it's going after them because it's like it thinks they're after his kill or its kill. Right. Like it's not like it's defending its kill. It's like pursuing them to kill them yes. almost maliciously. Yes, and that's I'm just gonna bring up my note now since it's the best place for it. Um, well, I mean, I think I might have one later about. Well, I'm this still gonna talk thing. about it now. Uh, it does seem like the T Rex is hunting them. Right. And it's like a whole Jaws the Revenge scenario. And that right. seems interesting. Yes. Yeah. That it's, I mean, the whole following adventure down the river, it's very much like, this thing is after them. And maybe maybe they'll actually have a payoff that we don't, that I don't remember. And I don't know, but there's a reason for it. I don't know. But it is interesting. That's all I've got. I just want to make sure I didn't, uh, I, all right, I guess I'll talk about it here. Sorry, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to go over my notes and make no, sure I, I didn't. Okay, I, I have it later. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll address it when it comes up again later. Sounds good. Yeah, it's definitely hunting them uh, deliberately and inexplicably at this point, at least. Um, With malice. Uh, that brings us to chapter 44. Fifth iteration, search. I only have an overview. I have nothing here. I just noticed that it's it's kind of odd that we have two sets of characters that were really close, very nearly close to discovering uh, Nedry's attack site, but ended up being rerouted away from it before it was discovered eventually by Muldoon. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that the the two groups were Harding and Ellie when they noticed the, the compies, Uh that was the first time that was like an allusion to like, there's lights over there. We should go check it out. Nah, we're getting detoured. Uh, And then the other one was, uh, Gennaro and Muldoon, or or at least like somebody mentioned. It was like when when Muldoon was re, was working on the fences, and the guy somebody came over to them, it's like a lights. worker, and was like, "There's some lights over here. You want to check them out?" And they were like, "Nah." It just right. seems like if you know a car's missing, which point. they did at that point, like go investigate the fucking lights, man. And then again, this is entire situation so crazy. Like I'm surprised they're in the park as much as they are considering they haven't rounded up all the loose wild animals yet. I feel Muldoon's uh, second now was a little more in keeping. Cause he's like, there's you know, like, exactly what you said. There's so much shit we have to do. We have to get this thing. We have to get the tree off. So the fence can get electrified and we need to get the fuck right. out of here. I'm curious, but I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about getting the fuck out of here. Cause we've already been out here too long and I don't want to be tracked right. by right. anything. So it doesn't we make don't sense. know where the T Rex is, right? And that, and, and that's like, and then they mentioned. I think they mentioned the T Rex being in another paddock, so they know they're okay to fix this. Well, but like, Muldoon shouldn't be worried about the T Rex. <laughs> at least in the movie, he's way more concerned about the fucking raptors. And so that's something I'm curious about because I it come it may come up later, but I didn't write a note specifically. We've had a sighting of raptors in the park that are loose. Yes. Um, and we know the dinosaur is breeding. And there's way yes. more raptors than there should be. But someone makes a comment about, boy, good th- I hope the raptors never get out of their pen. I'm like, you know that there are like... I think like... that was Arnold. Oh, it was Arnold? Okay. That That's a weird disconnect. That was a weird, like... 
Yes. You looked. You were the one looking at the computer screen where it said, oh, we should have six, and we've got 30. You, right. You know they're not in the pen, so you are fucked. Right. Right. That was, that was weird. Yeah. It, it does seem like maybe there's... A, a moment in these later chapters where Michael Crane's just a little like, man, writing's hard. I'm still writing this book. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that. <laughs> okay, I, I said um, seems, but yeah, you're probably. Right. Um, I think it's more just like there's these are little like I, I feel like I have a tendency to pick these things apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so like finding that stuff's really easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily fair to the to the writer. Right. Um. To like, I'm not. I'm not criticizing the whole book. Like, I've I've really really enjoyed this book up to this point. Um, it's just these are these are parts where I have a little bitty questions about certain sure. things. Um, no, no story is perfect. Nah. Uh, so I guess that brings us to chapter forty-five. Aviary. I have a page two eighty-two. I only have a couple of overview notes. So at this point in two eighty-two is where it really does feel like the T-Rex is pursuing them like a monster. Yes. Like, as opposed to just like, it's not even hunting. Like hunting is a thing you do, like animals do when they need food. <laughs> they You hunt for a purpose. Like you go out and you, you put yourself at risk of being hurt or in danger to get food because you need food. Now, this animal is enormous. Right. So it's going to need a lot of food. But if this animal, if, if this predator knows it has a source of food that is as overly filling as a hadrosaur, why is it fucking around with humans? Like, like you have, if you look at like lions, right? Sure. Like lions will go after wildebeest, uh, like impalas or other gazelles, not as often as probably as, as other things, but like in zebras, mm-hmm. they'll go after these large herbivores that went with a kill can feed their whole pride for a good while mm-hmm. for a long enough to where they don't have to worry about going out again. And then they can just relax and sleep and fuck around until they need to eat again. And then they go out and they, as a team and they hunt this thing down, they bring it back. So same thing with like other big predators, especially cats, like, uh, leopards and, and uh, jaguars will get their kill then they'll haul it up a tree and store it and eat it while they while they munch on it most animals that aren't grazing animals most predatory animals and I'll even include like there are some herbivores that are kind of predatory like that too like like squirrels and birds will make caches of food mm-hmm. so like and and but usually the birds that's like a winter thing and same with the squirrels like that's a winter thing that's a storing up for eating later that's right. not your thing you're eating is going to decay so you have to eat it as quickly as possible before it goes bad so this animal is behaving like it's like Michael Myers it's behaving like yeah. it's it's Jason like it's a slasher monster murderer that's after these characters to kill them specifically through like malice evil, hate, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it does seem like that. Maybe I'm going to go ahead and fill in some of the gaps here. I noticed, and I certainly noticed since COVID has began, has began, since COVID began, uh, I'll eat a big meal that fills me up and almost immediately I'm like, man, I, something like a, like a brownie or a treat would be a real great cap to that. Even though I'm full, I want more. I want to consume more and the t-rex as we know uh he's got a real taste for it now she's got a real taste for it now since she ate harding mm-hmm. oh that was a little one though yeah the big one eating by yet 
I don't think so. Then maybe she's jealous. She's totally <laughs> jelly of that little one who's always coming into her territory and trying to claim her kills. And it's already eaten person? No. No, she's not having that. She's got to have this delicacy. See, but, so, so the largest animals on the planet today are uh, land mammals are elephants. And in the uh, the ocean, it's whales. So both of those groups of animals, uh, they're, they're essentially grazers. Right. Whales will just keep moving like in a, in a cycle up and down where the water's like, you know, warmer or whatever, uh, or, or just the right temperature for them to be comfortable. And as they do, they graze and they eat and they go up and down and they eat, they constantly eating cause they're huge. Elephants are the same way. They're so big that they have to constantly be eating or they're sleeping or like they, they live in this very basic, like kind of world, um, where their needs are, are are basically those very simple like survival needs. They're not like humans who can just relax and eat, like at this point because we've we've or in the first world fucking a, uh, like we we can just go to Taco Bell if we want. So the T Rex, presumably being as large as it is, would need to eat an awful lot, mm-hmm. but it's not because it's a, because it's a carnivore. It has to get its food from hunting or scavenging, and. In this moment specifically, it just it already has that much food sitting right there. It's not sharing. It doesn't have hatchlings. It doesn't have uh, other, you know, like again, I'll go to the elephant idea. It doesn't have other elephants in a herd that need to, or, or other T-Rexes in a herd that need to share the bounty of the food that it's eating. It's its only fucking animal in the park. That is its size and its species. It's 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 a solo animal. Mm-hmm. So. It really, I just find it really hard to believe that it would need, that the motivation it has to hunt these people down is anything uh, other than sort of evil. Now, I I will suggest something here. Um, Well, okay, before I make my suggestion, I'll say that if there is no justification for this in the story, then I have to say preemptively that I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in it because I, I really want it to be Justified. perfect. Right. Yeah. Because it, it just is so odd. A justification that I could believe is that another sub theme of this story is these animals are much smarter than we expected because of course they would be because chaos theory, because the Malcolm contingency or whatever he calls it, uh, the Malcolm effect. Um, it's so. like the idea. Yeah. The idea is that there's, these things are so big, so intense, so complex that they're, of course, they're going to go off and be unmanageable. So right. one of the things they expected is for the animals to be stupid. They're not. Maybe that's what's happening with the T-Rex is the T-Rex is actually pretty intelligent, relatively smart, and has developed a hatred for humans because it could have figured out that it's it could essentially have figured out that it's being captive that it's being fed that it's not uh you know actually living life like it, its instincts suggest it should there's that line at least in the movie where i think grant says t-rex doesn't want to be fed it wants to hunt um and that concept implies that the animal has like a resentment for its state its station 
knowing that it deserves to be the apex predator, deserves to be out there hunting everything. So, like, maybe it kind of has a little bit of raptor brain where it, like, thinks about it, it can recognize that humans are a thing that it recognizes from birth or through its whole existence in this park or the the things that take care of it the things that fuck with it the things that are irritating to it and it's not been able to like fight them off yet so now when it sees them it just has a like instinctive reaction like like if you have like an abused dog mm-hmm. you know like if you have a if you have a dog that's been abused they behave skittish and distant towards people because they have associations because they're not stupid. They're pretty smart animals. They understand that, oh, that bipedal hairless ape, that thing's going to beat the shit out of me because that's all I've ever experienced. So when it sees one of us, it it assumes that that's what's going to happen next. So maybe the Rex has that sort of like learned behavior or, or learned like uh, experience. Right. And it could be re- responding to that. So again, I'm not going to say that is what's happening. I'm not going to fill in the blanks like that, but I am going to say that that's one of those things I could imagine being an acceptable justification for this behavior. Sure. But, and I'll accept other explanations, but I'd like there to be an explanation. I mean, the fact that they cut this aspect out of the movies is suggestive of it's not having an explanation, but again, maybe it was too unwieldy and there will be a great explanation that will tie it all up. And I do think that that's one of the strengths of the movie because I thought of that too while I was reading it. Like, oh, you know, this isn't in there. I, the The movie does such a better job of making the T-Rex seem like a force of nature. Like, it yeah. is just attacking. It is just frightened. It's in a world... That, they, they explain it in those lines in the movie where they something like, you know, uh, the animals are out of place, they're out of time. I forget the exact line. It's not one of my favorite lines, but it's something about how, like, you're, of course you're going to react violently to this, I think that's what Ellie says in the scene where they're having ice cream is, you know, they're going to respond violently sometimes or something like that. That's, that makes sense to me. That makes sense for why the animal's behaving that way. Cause mm-hmm. it's just fucking it uncomfortable. This isn't normal. This isn't how I should be. My instincts are telling me this is all wrong. Right. Um, and that like, it, they do such a good job in the movie of making the, the Rex walk or walking around and interacting with things, uh, feel natural feel like of course it would be there of course it would be doing this of course it would be like this right uh, and the book has just a little too much slasher vibe do you have anything else in this chapter um is this still aviary no oh wait, yes yes it's still yes. aviary I, I have other things in this chapter sorry i have a <laughs> sorry i got so wrapped up in that note because no, it was that was where i wanted really to talk points. about that earlier but yeah. um uh page two 84 is my next note so okay. two pages later go for it uh this is the page that has a lot of lines from the movie this is the rape of the natural world section mm-hmm. they're so preoccupied with whether or not they could they didn't bother to think if they should oh mwah. so many great moments in this in this page and they're still just of a, just as effective even though they're presented differently yeah they're, i mean even maybe even better because they have he has the chance to actually flesh it out and like get like make it meteor he's got an experience he can directly reference not just conceptual uh mistakes that he can say later see i told you he's not he's not just saying he's not being philosophical like there's a point in here i think in these chapters he says something like morphine gets him philosophical um in the movie he's just angry right and and goes off yeah this was this was this was this was the heavy heavy chapter for me where oh, yeah. everything, where I'm just like, mm, this was written 30 plus years ago based on science then that was probably at least a decade old, if not older. 
and we've only made it worse and we've learned nothing from it. Fuck. Yeah, the the that's my next note. My my page two eighty four or excuse mm. me two eighty five is is exactly that area. Like we <laughs> we live in a society that's run by sociopaths who are oh so willing to decide how much our fucking human lives are worth, but they refuse to admit it, and they they and the average average person refuses to ask. I, but I, they know uh, they they know how much they're willing to they know how what what they're willing to put people's lives at risk to accomplish and they know how much they're willing to pay those people to do that. And, and they, they are not going to tell you that huge, that's part of their calculation. They convince such huge parts of the population to do their work for them. Yep. Uh, I know it's not a political podcast, but fuck. <laughs> but, but like, but this moment in the book, he's, he's, he's actually talking about this stuff. There's that moment even where he says something like, tell me why, like we, the average like person spends the same amount of time cleaning their house yeah. today yeah. as they did 40, 50 years ago. Like we, we have made new things, but we haven't actually made our lives better. Right. Why aren't we like as a society working towards making life better for humankind? And why are we still working on this fucking rat race? Like, like, like the thing about anything. the rat race that sucks is that like, we're all the rats and there are some fucking like incredibly super wealthy like people out there who are the people who own the rats and own the race. Like we are fucking like we, we live in a fucking, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's just like, it's just so frustrating to, to like observe it and see so many people just be like go going along their day-to-day not making this a big part of their political like perspective or their their agenda if you will is like somehow trying to fight for some sort of equality to that even if it's not equality but like dismantling of it like Mm -hmm. saying man you know what would be really fucking cool is if we stopped burning oil like we need petroleum for certain things that we can't we don't have other substitutes for we we have total substitutes for so many of the things we use oil for. We have so many substitutes for like, and and if it, it, the idea that people believe that a market economy will adjust for the for the most like the best solution, it's like best means least expensive, right? Right. Oftentimes, le- like most it's of the that times. it's that meet it's that balance of like, it's the buoyancy of simultaneously being least expensive and most uh effective it's like there's there's a bell curve there and it like that's that the middle of the curve is where the market economy lives so like if far on the other side of that curve is something that's really expensive but also way better at doing the like at, at being good for the environment that's long-term better for all of us that's wearing a mask every day that's like you know getting fucking vaccinated that's <laughs> understanding that the world is f- like a sort of squished sphere um in shape like it's <laughs> it's all these things that are that are reasonable but we refuse there's so many people refuse to do fuck it's just so infuriating it's like what you said. It, this book was written. Let's be honest. This book was written probably closer to forty years ago. Yeah. The book was written before it got published. So, 40, 35 years ago, Crichton was already stewing on this shit. Yes. It was already like, fuck this shit. This doesn't make sense. Why are we still all just 
coasting along. I thought I had a um, great takedown of capitalism with fucking Westworld, but apparently people weren't listening, so here we go again. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Um, yeah, so... It, it, I guess the thing that surprises me about it is how, like, blunt he gets in these moments in the book. Like, he's not talking about dinosaurs, you know? <laughs> he's, 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 he's talking about the real world and the real right. way capitalism works right. and how, who it takes advantage of and who it exploits and how it the, the part where he talks about like the rape of the natural world is like you sent me that fucking attenborough meme like oh my god that was so heartbreaking i've not been able to is, stop is thinking ex- about it yeah it's it's like it's the same shit though it's like you have a guy who 20 years ago 15 to 20 years ago made blue planet right i think they i think he worked on that Anyway, that's right. 15, 25 years ago, he starts talking about like, you know, global warming is a, is a thing that's happening and we have we have time. We have a chance to make a difference. Fucking cut to today. And it's like, no, you know what? I thought we had a chance. It turns out the market didn't bear caring about the future. The market is a petulant child that wants its cake right now. It wants to eat right now as much as it possibly can and fuck the future. So that's not how at this point in time like humanity has reached a point where we really need to be working towards caring for the planet and the species and we fucking could we really could but we fucking won't and it's it's heartbreaking and it's heartbreaking to read a book like this where you hear it you see it and you go fuck like we've known we've known for a while that we're and I think that okay, the thing that's more tragic about this end of this epoch <laughs> for me is the the fear and the 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 kind of dread that like Rome fell, yep, right, but there was still humans after, right, right. And it what I'm worried about is that when when the United States and the and the and the modern first world crumbles because essentially because of globalization we're making the entire human existence one big empire of economics once that falls i think it will come at a time when there's no way for the species to survive in anything that's even close to resembling how we used to right so i mean i think we're dodos man like I think it's it's and I, and we hunted ourselves to extinction. I mean I think that's I, the the payoff has the setups there. The payoff has not been uh, said yet, but I think that's directly what the last line I think of this chapter is referencing when Ellie says oh, we're going to destroy the planet. Malcolm's like that's the last fucking thing I'm worried about. Yeah, exactly. Planet's exactly. a hunk of rock. It's gonna be here. We're not. Right. Right. And I'm, yeah, I'm like calling exactly. That shot the, now because yeah, the planet itself is going to be fine. Like it doesn't give a shit about keeping us alive. Right. We as the only species on the planet, the only fucking intelligent life we know for sure exists in the in the universe. We should be really careful and caring about preserving this biosphere that is the only place we know can do the thing we need it to do to continue to exist. We are we're, we are so fucking precious as a planet and as a species and as a fucking everything about Earth is so important and unique. 
in terms of like just the fact that we only know one for sure it's a, it's a planet in the hand versus two in the nebula like we we have one mm-hmm. we we really shouldn't be gambling with it but we fucking we it's not even gambling it's just burning it to the ground anyway right fuck um i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> this can't be fun to listen to um <laughs> it's just like there's there's just it's in the book it's just in it's in here and so that that reminds me though of what your housekeeping had been and what it needs to be for next time. How to save the planet? My last concern. You need to save us from ourselves. Figure that out by next week, okay? Okay, got it. The housekeeping. I'm not seeing. I'm not going to have any time down. to do anything else. Okay. Make time if you need to <laughs> work on this. But also, I want you to find out about Michael Crichton and uh, climate change deniership. I'll, I'll look into that. Okay, so two two goals. All right, save, save humanity, save us, save humanity, and Michael Crichton. Where do you stand? Well, I mean, I guess I guess my problem with that is, what's the point of looking into that? Because like, I, I don't think that his his potential climate denial is the same as it is now. Like, the concept of climate denial now is people who have been presented with un un like questionably accurate evidence of humanity's effect on the climate on global climate my bet is that that's what i'm going to come back and say is like yeah he just the evidence he had at the time was not it's like pluto isn't is a planet or isn't a planet it's like we've changed we, we understand more now and we can make it we can make an adjustment and change some things up okay all right well in that case I'm, you'll I'm, have more time to uh save humanity yeah <laughs> we need something man <laughs> yeah um What's your, do you have any uh, another page note in this chapter? No, another page note, no. Uh, I have an overview. Okay, go for it. You, you do um, your I, overview I, first. I want to talk about the the ticking clock element in these this book in these chapters. The uh, is it the boat? Yeah, the boat arriving on the mainland. Okay. Um, it w- with the Velociraptors aboard. Right. Um, it's a very novel way to use an old trick. Like the the idea of the ticking clock has been around for a long time. Sure. This idea of you add this. Everybody knows what a countdown clock is. Everyone knows how how like when a deadline comes and how stressful that can be. And is if you don't succeed in your goal before you meet that thing, you lose. It's a game, um, and everyone can relate to that concept. So having that here in one sense feels very predictable. Like okay, well I feel like I it's a it's a race now. I know how to read a race. I know what happens in a racing story. Um, so it's a race. It's conventional. But I, I have this guess of how it's going to end. Either Grant isn't going to make it in time to turn uh, the boat around, or or even if he does, it won't matter because the Raptors will have already killed everyone on that ship, and it's just going to run aground uh, on the mainland when it gets there anyway. So I think it's going to be one of those two things uh, and I don't want you to tell me which one no, you remember it being. I, I, I feel like I might be informing myself with the memory. I don't know for sure, but I, I, it's because of that, I will not say what I think might be the case. Okay. okay, cool. But I really enjoy it in this in this book because, like, it's not like a bomb. It's right. not like a, I don't know, a, some sort of, like, a, it's not like, you know, like Fifth Element or not Fifth Element, fucking the other Bruce Willis movie. It's not like 12 Monkeys where uh, 
it's it's like the the countdown clock is you have a specific day where a thing happens and if you don't get back in time to that day to stop that thing from happening that thing will happen and everyone will die right but in this one it's it's like there's something really novel about it being if if you don't make if you don't beat the ticking clock dinosaurs will invade the mainland and it's like there's something really fun and scary about that idea mm-hmm. and i think it's great i really like it as a as a device in this book what's your overview this is the most jk rowling chapter so far oh in the sense that it's called aviary and they spend maybe mm-hmm. 5 pages there rush through it yeah. And then they go back and forth between the control room and them a couple of times and have some other adventures. And, like, it's still aviary. Like, I had to go back at one point. I'm like, are we still in the chapter? Did I miss it? Nope, we're still here. Um, I found the actual scene in the aviary kind of tacked on, which is probably why they left it out of the movie. Like, this thing, that what was it called? A, 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 a Ceradactyl? Yeah. Is bigger than a pteranodon or a pterodactyl, whatever they were calling it then. Um, yeah. But it bit Lex and she was just able to say, ow, that seems like I want, where did it bite her? Then it seemed like it was pecking at her head. I'm like, that seems like she would be having skull fractures. Would she not? I, I feel like it, it, it just. Well, she was bleeding. She was bleeding from when it bit her. But then I thought after that, before Grant jumped on it. Oh, right. But anyways, anyway, whatever. It was so rushed. I'm like, what's happening? He'd been so good up until this point, but this was just... It, it was as unfinished as the aviary itself. <laughs> um, I I agree. Like, it, it didn't... It did seem, again, kind of like the T-Rex hunting the humans. Like, you've got to have dinosaur fights. you got to yeah. have dinosaurs attacking people. And these characters, you need them to make it because they're part of the ticking clock. And um, may, maybe this is where his... Uh, Hollywood is showing like he's like oh this would make a good action scene for someone who could direct action or the yeah. Ralph the baby Triceratops could sell merchandise so I'm gonna throw in a cute pink baby Triceratops shit like that it's it's funny how much of these the stuff in this first book especially these chapters end up getting reused in later films other than the first one right like like the the aviary is in Jurassic Park 3 um the T-Rex sticking its head into the waterfall is in Lost World. Mm-hmm. Like it's even doing the thing where it sticks its tongue in and licks around to feel people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in Lost World. I, see, I don't remember Lost World at all, so I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, oh yeah, it's it, the the guy who plays there. Uh, I forget the name of the guy, but the 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 actual paleontologist who was a big help for the film. Like in terms of like walking the the special effect designers through like what they needed to know about dinosaurs or behavior or whatever, uh, Jack Han not Jack Hanna that can't be the right name, is that the guy from the Cincinnati Zoo or the San Diego Zoo? Um, Sounds kind of right. I don't know though. I forget this fucking guy's name. Anyway, there's a character in Lost World that's supposed to be more that guy than Grant was supposed to be that guy. Right. Um. He's got like really long hair and a beard and he's like, he comes out talking all this dinosaur stuff and being really, really smart. Anyway, in Lost World, he runs into the, uh, the waterfall with Malcolm and, 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 uh, Julianne Moore and he's like, oh, we're safe. We're going to be fine. Something like that. And then he like, he walks 
backwards into like the waterfall mm-hmm. like the the and he's like we're gonna be fine we can leave now i think we're good and then the t-rex comes in and just grabs him and takes him out and then blood pours down from the waterfall because he's bleeding into the water as it falls down it's really fucking good spielberg likes his blood in the water oh it's uh yeah he's jaws um uh, <laughs> um he grabbed him in his jaws um <laughs> so the, long uh, chum yeah exactly exactly I don't have any more notes on this chapter. Nope. Then that brings us to chapter 46. Tyrannosaur. My first page note is page 291. Mine is just the observation that, man, it really seems like it's hunting them, which we've talked about. <laughs> so what's your note? All right. Uh, 291. The laser sights didn't have a charged battery. Uh, once again, Crichton's underlining his theme that I mentioned a lot last episode of of the best laid plans of mice and men etc like you can plan for as much but as long if you don't actually do the thing you're planning to do you're gonna not have it done when you need it right um but after specifically after malcolm's morphine induced philosophy lecture i think that i'm seeing another theme uh that is sort of and we talked about this earlier too but it's really condemning modern society's reliance on technology to survive Mm -hmm. like we we keep using technology to like stretch our capabilities further and further but are, like, are we really, what are we really getting for it? Like we, we've destroyed our planet and we've, we're, and we're miserable doing it. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just, it's just, there's a, there's a concept. I think my mom told me about it and it's called something like abstracted from the earth. Mm. How we are so removed from like our food chain. We have no part in the oh, killing yeah. of our food and, and, right. and yeah, we are insulated from reality with all of our technological prowess and, bites us in the ass situations just like this it seems like it's yeah it's i mean completely i wrapped up in the uh complex systems i i have some friends who are basically like i i i don't even know how to describe it because i know it's probably a real philosophy but the best way because i've never really looked into it but the best i can understand is essentially they're like ethical vegans or ethical carnivores mm-hmm. like the idea is like they're vegan if they can't hunt their own food like the idea is that they they don't eat animal products that other people have killed for them because the idea is they want to respect that connection Mm -hmm. that to to like hunting and 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 like providing for themselves for uh like like meat so if they couldn't do that they're not going to partake in the horrific ways we like farm animals or, or like how we how we you know eat chicken or how we keep chickens and 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 cows and all this other stuff but besides all the ecological like destruction that cows specifically cause um it's that's the only thing i've ever heard that about that makes sense to me as a way to combat that issue it, like that disconnect you're it describing makes a lot of sense yeah because you know if everything ended today and we were in a full stephen king the stand i couldn't hunt shit I don't. I mean, I, could, I probably I could. I could, could, uh, I could bake shit if I had access to flour, yeah. but uh, I could not hunch it. Yeah, I, I couldn't either. Like, I don't even know if I could. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'd probably start with humans. Oh, that's fair. That is that is a good point, and there are plenty. There's a huge source of them, and uh, they're not good at dealing with it either. So that's that's really smart. And and they're probably pretty easy to capture, and then like like put in a stockade and, and, and like make like into like breeding stocks. You could have more, you could create a cycle oh of, God. of them. So you Can- could like you <laughs> cannibal know. bros forever. 
<laughs> this is the worst show. Um, <laughs> my next note is page. Uh, I, I do find sorry, it interesting. This... I, you know, I find it interesting that we spent like 20 minutes discussing the horrible problems of the reality of the world today. And now we're at the solution of let's hunt man. And I feel like there's a direct <laughs> parallel or a direct line from one to the other. I mean, I, I think that, I think it's gonna I think that's where it happens. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's where we're going, man. <laughs> but like, um, ethically, uh, it will, it will be ethical carnivores about it. I want to draw it out. It's not a, you know, the most dangerous game situation. I think that there's something to be said for like, maybe this is a thing that's very American. Like, I was listening to uh, uh, an interview with a person from Australia recently, and they were talking about how they, they're in order to um, fight this starfish that's eating away at the Great Barrier Reef. Reef. They've they've uh, created a robot that would like inject the the starfish with a certain substance that kills them. Like it's like a saline solution or something something awful that goes right into their bo- their body and like just kills them. And they. But when they were confronted with the idea of like, well, why don't you do that to like everything that touches the 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 reef, like octopuses? Why don't you kill everything out there? And their idea was not like, oh, well, there's a fragile ecosystem. That the reason it, the barrier reef, reef has existed for so long is because it maintains a complex ecosystem. And we know these starfish are, are a big problem with it. But their actual answer was, well, we can't kill, you know, octopuses because they have brains and they think and they are like they're they're basically sentient and i think that there's like I, so i heard that and i thought and I, in reflect, reference to this it made me think like oh see that's the enlightenment like that's <laughs> that's where that those concepts still live in the world our fucking country is the worst and we don't like we're so ready to destroy ourselves that we're taking the planet down with us and it's terrifying. Um, Except it's just going to be a little scarred and it will bounce back with algae and cockroaches. Well, humanity. Uh, is, we're, yeah. I'm talking about humanity. We're no, I, 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 I want to underline that every time that we are not going to destroy the planet. It. Uh, we are going to destroy all the things that appreciate the things we appreciate being us. Yep. Yep. We're basically like mange on the planet that is the dog. I've thought about that for a while. Yeah. But the dog will go on. This is weird. Well, <laughs> this is so weird. This is a fucking terrible episode, man. So no, sorry, everyone. It's, 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 it's abstract. It's 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 uh, like listen, read the book, read <laughs> Jurassic Park. You'll get to these chapters. You have your own experience with them, but this has been my experience, and it is sad and it is dark. I'm glad you felt it too, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, my next page note is page two ninety three. Okay. Oh yeah, it's I. I didn't like this cliffhanger. Okay, so in the very end of the last chapter, page two ninety three, for me it's in the middle of the page, but it's this weird moment where it like, it's just weird in how it's written, <laughs> where they go over the waterfall, they fall, Tim and Grant get out or they 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 get out of the water, they find each other, whatever, and then the Rex is like attacking the water where the water is falling right and it comes up and it's got lex's orange life vest in its mouth and you can tell that and then for me there's like a a big 
delineation between the next the next line like it's like a a tab or like an extra space to indicate like time has passed or moving locations something like that but no it's the same fucking moment (laughs) it just goes a moment later lex bobbed up to the surface besides the dinosaur's long tail (laughs) and it's like what like so then we had like a cliffhanger we had a literal they fell over a cliff edge yeah Cliffhanger of, is she being eaten? Followed immediately by the resolution. Yeah, immediately. In the same page, in the same chapter. Not even like, okay, and we're going to start the next chapter, or we're going to have another chapter here where it, we we go to another character, and we leave you right. wondering if Lex was eaten. But you, could, no, you can't right do that because that means she was under the water the whole time. I wonder if it was structured that way. And they're like, but that well, means, I, well, we've cut away to Malcolm or something. She's been underwater the whole time. She wouldn't come back from that. So we have but to But the time this, in the book doesn't run, it doesn't run like linearly it doesn't yeah but people are dumb and 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 editors are going to assume people are dumb and saying you can't do that i think you're assuming editors are dumb yes i am okay (laughs) yeah just odd just felt like an odd way to to plot out a book Mm -hmm. just that weird moment i mean the whole thing Um, was very it it has the same problem aviary had where you have this was clearly the parallel to tim and the electric fence Yep. But it, he doesn't even get to do CPR. She just wakes up and she's fine. She vomits and well, she's she like, pukes. hi. Yeah. yeah, but 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 then she's like, hi, which I get kids can have a, a, a an experience that, you know, is fucking traumatic for the parent and the kid's just like, okay, I want pudding or whatever the fuck. And that's very disconcerting and I get that. But also, why did we do all that? It, it felt right. like it was just summed up and we're moving on. And it's like... Uh, are you on a time crunch? Was your book option yeah. before you finished it and now you got to get it out? Maybe that maybe that's what it was. Maybe. Maybe he's like, yeah, I don't I'm know, like, but like three drafts into this Jurassic Park thing and Spielberg was like, dibs? When can you have it ready? <laughs> and Scram was like, shit. Uh, I was going to do this whole CPR thing, but nah, she's fine. She's better. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that Deathly Hallows, but it's... <laughs> uh... Well, no, because I agree. He, just... no, he was, he's not exhausted by six other books at this point. He's not fed up with the world <laughs> and social. He didn't even have social media. So it was probably just like, oh, shit, I better better put a little uh, little fire under my britches. I don't some get up and go juice, whatever the fuck. Get up and go juice. Yeah. OK. Um, the... <laughs> I, I, I'm excited. To, I'm obviously excited to read the rest of the book, but like in this specific part of the book it also makes me kind of like this whole idea of the under the waterfall like mechanical area like i would love to know more about what that is like is it a hydroelectric power source is that what we're looking at like um i I just kind of read it as like a little um you would drive your vehicle there and you could come out through the waterfall to check on the you know hydrosaurs or whatever gentle herbivores in this part of the park because the transverse is not supposed to be here. Sure, but why do you need so much electrical equipment to have a door? In case the raptors ever got out and they came up to the door, they're 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 pretty clever. Uh but they can't handle a you know a keypad and a electric code. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The hydroelectric thing. Well, is, that's is that's sort of where I'm at. Is I, I I think it is like a hydroelectric system. Like it's some sort of it's charging like, the golf carts I, or whatever. Yeah, or it's charging part of the park. Like I don't. We don't know exactly how. Like is everything there run off gasoline? Like 
I had a hard time. This doesn't go into the earth, right? This is just like a other side of the waterfall that oh, would no, open this is, somewhere. I I read this as being underground, fully subterranean, fully subterranean. Oh, okay, okay. So because I kept imagining, like, why can't Grant just like run out wherever the golf cart exits, run back up to the waterfall, and be like, "Hey, kids, with me," other than the T Rex, but he's probably the drugs are taking effect. That's why it left off. Um. So yeah, okay. So they just need to figure out how to open the door. Right. Uh, but but that's why he couldn't see anything either when he went in the other side of the door. Is good, because point, good point, good point, good point. There's yeah. no light coming so in dark. from outside. Right. right. Also why the raptor would have been so adept at hunting down there because nocturnal. Right. Because of the crepuscular Lack disc something. Yeah. That word came in there somehow. Um, We're learning so much. I mean, I like this sequence. I think it's really interesting. I mean, there's, there's like, I'm, I'm glad. I, it's interesting how many, again, of these moments they essentially uh, cannibalize for the later films mm-hmm. that they couldn't, they didn't have time for in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, Very Godfather and Godfather yeah, 2. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, it, it's actually like pretty, I think it's interestingly like respectful. Mm-hmm of the source material itself to be like, yeah, we know we, we do, we would love to have gone back and actually used the aviary sequence. We just couldn't, we didn't have time in the first movie and etc. And clearly or, needed or some, even, uh, some rewriting. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, but Jurassic park three isn't a sterling example of great writing. Well, no, cause they took all um, the stuff that was cut out and just made a movie out of it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm actually not sure if that's true. Except I, the urine part. I mean, if, if they found the urine part in this book, I'll be surprised. Is that where Bumblebee pees on John Turturro? Yeah, except it, John Turturro collects Bumblebee's uh, oil excretion or his urine, as you so crudely put it. And you're the one who uh, brought up urine. You literally you the one who brought it, it up. I said pees. He on. collects it and then h- hides in a bunker with uh, Bumblebee's oil surrounding the bunker to keep the other Transformers away. Because that's what happens in Jurassic Park 3. Mm. The little kid that they go to the island to find is surviving great because he's collected T-Rex urine and he's poured it all over his bunker that he's hiding out in so that no animals come near it because it smells like T-Rex territory. Smart. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If that part's in this book, I'll be surprised because that seems way too specifically catered to a kid who's been surviving on the park for weeks. So he's a little kid in Jurassic Park 3? In Jurassic Park 3, the kid that's on the island is like 14, 15. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a 20-something. That's weird. No, he's he's like in high school, huh. maybe. Guess they have another kid on the island somehow. They're in every movie, there is a kid, I think. I At least kids. in the first four movies, there's a lot of kids. No, I think there's kids in the second Jurassic World. I don't. I've, I only saw it once, and I don't remember it very well. I didn't see it at all, but fair enough. But the, uh, I'll also be surprised if there's any sort of, uh, dinosaur fighting gymnastics in this book. <laughs> well, we do have another book, uh, that clearly oh, something Lord. was pulled from. So I'm sure that's going to be the dino spectacular. The, t- parallel the dino bars. floor routine. Yeah. Yeah. I always have to carry um, some chalk dust with me. Hold on. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? I I don't. Well, next time. On Jurassic Park. 
or Death Readers? Uh, on Death Readers, yeah. we're going to be reading through uh, another chapter titled Control. <laughs> um, that's around page 299 for me. All the way through a chapter called Lodge that's around page 349 for me. So stop before you get to the control chapter after lodge. <laughs> we, we keep, we keep st- starting with control. That's interesting. Well, so. it's just the way the book crumbled. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that brings us to the end of death readers. Um, I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Podbean. These reviews might seem silly, but they actually help us out a lot. Check us out on Twitter, at Real Death Reader. If you want more Death Readers content, there's more available by joining Death Readers Patreon at www.patreon.com slash deathreaders. If you hate us and want to tell us how terrible we are, please send all hate mail comments to our Reddit account, you slash deathreaders. You know what they said on the... On the ship full of velociraptors. No. What? I was... I was really hoping you were going to say, like... Like, I was hoping you were going to say something like, they're going to need a bigger boat. Oh. And then I was going to say... And then I was going to say, no, they're saying Goonies never say die or something. Like, I was going to try to make a reference to a different <laughs> Spielberg property. It didn't work. I was... Velociraptor love chunk. Or they say like, you know, like <laughs> Grant's gonna say, Grant phone boat, because <laughs> because because of ET, because he wants to, he's trying to call the boat. Mm-hmm. Don't look at it, Tyrannosaurus. Keep your eyes shut. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, this is weird. Well, if if you don't have anything else, uh. I don't have anything else. I don't have anything else. All right, I'll start. I'll I'll start over then. Um, well, uh, I think I'll start over again. 